Thanks so much for joining us here on the Rivers Church Podcast. We see a church full of passionate people who reach the unchurched with the gospel of Jesus. Our heart is to equip people to love, live, and lead in God's kingdom. We hope you enjoyed today's message and pray that it encourages you to be all that God has destined you to be. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out to us and check us out on our website at riverschurch.co. That's riverschurch.co. Revelations 10. Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven. He was robed in a cloud with a rainbow above his head. His face was like the sun and his legs were like fiery pillars. He was holding a little scroll which lay open in his hands. He planted his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. And he gave a loud shout like the roar of a lion. When he shouted, the voices of the seven thunders spoke. And when the seven thunders spoke, I was about to write. But I heard a voice from heaven say, seal all, seal up what the seven thunders have said and do not write it down. Oh, that's interesting. Sorry, even I get shocked. Then the angel had seen, Tyrone had a phone call. Then the angel I had seen standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven and he swore by him who lives forever and ever who creech, who created the heavens and all that is in them the earth and all that is in it and the sea and all that is in it and he said there will be no more delay but in the days when the seventh angel is about to sound his trumpet the mystery of God will be accomplished just as he announced to his servants the prophets then the voice that that I had heard from heaven spoke to me once more. Go, take the scroll that lies open in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and the land. So I went to the angel and I asked him to give me the, the little scroll. He said to me, take it and eat it. It will turn your stomach sour, but in your mouth it will be as sweet as honey. I took the little scroll from the angel's hands and I ate it. It tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten it, my stomach turned sour. Then I was told, you must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, languages, and kings. This is the word of the Lord. All right, amen. Why don't you go ahead and have a seat, and let's talk about Revelation chapter 10. Pastor Amy did one of the classic blunders of Reve it's Revelation. Singular. Uh, but it's, it, it happens to us all, right? So we're back into our apocalypse series, a journey through Revelation, and some people are loving this, and some people are like, you know, this is interesting. Uh, but... Uh, a lot of people wonder, like, why, why is it a big deal? Why should we go through this, this book of Revelation? Now, one of the things we've mentioned in this series is this tends to be the forgotten book at the back of the Bible that we just, like, want to ignore. Like, I know a little bit about it, but, like, ah, it's weird. It's, I, I don't understand it. And so we just don't go there because of that and lots of other different reasons. Uh, for some of us, it scares us. Uh, you know, prophetic literature, now, now, to prophesy is to declare the word of the Lord. And so sometimes when you prophesy, you're forth telling. It's, it's future events. And so this is prophetic literature. This is things about what was happening then, but also, you know, from chapter four, uh, four on is what's going to happen, is what it appears. So it's like a forth telling prophecy. And so prophetic literature is very important for us. For some people, it's very scary, but please know this. 
prophetic words are meant to prepare us, but not to scare us. Prophecy is meant to prepare us. And so as we walk through this, this is helping to prepare us for what is to come, not to scare you. Okay, so hopefully this isn't scaring you. To, you know, you know I, could, I could liken it to this analogy. Anybody ever, you're going to miss a very important sports game or maybe your favorite show, and you record it so you can watch it later. Anybody ever do that? You know, it's a case like, I got to watch it later, so I'm going to record it. And the goal is to not be online, to not check Twitter, to not find out what the score is, what happens. I don't want to know anything about this. I don't want to have any spoilers at all. And sometimes it gets spoiled. Has that ever happened to you? That's happened to me several times. I had an important game I was going to watch, and somebody blew it. Somebody spoiled it for me, and I'm like, I just wanted to wring their neck. I was like, you serious? Or you turn on the radio, and you're like, and the sun's lost. You're like, oh, I didn't get a chance to change the radio station yet. You're like, seriously? Has that ever happened to you? It's kind of a bummer, but if you're like me, I still go to watch the game. I'll watch it. I got I to gotta watch Sometimes I'll, I'll skip forward through some of the parts. You know, the, the tension is gone because you know the outcome, but you still want to kind of watch how did it go. You know, I want to watch some of these good plays and just kind of enjoy the game. Uh, but there's no suspense. There's no worry. There's no fret because you know the outcome. And so it kind of changes how you watch the game, kind of changes how you feel about the game, doesn't it? Revelation is kind of like that, guys. We know how it's going to end. And that should bring some hope and some courage and some encouragement to us. We don't have to stress. We don't have to worry. Yes, it's going to get hard. Yes, there will be stressful times. There will be time, it will be challenging. There will be trials that we're going to go through. I mean, that's just part of life. And it's going to get worse as the end times gets nearer and nearer and nearer. But here's the good news. We know how it ends. So you don't have to worry too much. Prophecy was meant to prepare us, not to scare us. And so I love this Billy Graham quote. Billy Graham said this. He said, I've read the last page of the Bible. It's all going to turn out all right. So true. So I want to go back to the very first chapter as we look, you know, go back to season one, episode one of this series. Uh, Revelation chapter one gives us something very uh, important just to remind us why should we go through Revelation? Why is this book important? And verse three says there's two verses in chapter one that are very, very important for the entire book. Verse three is one of them. Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear it. And take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. So it's a reminder that the time is near. And it's near today than it ever has been. But also, there's a blessing. This is the only book that is, uh, promises a blessing when you read it, when you go through it, when you hear it. You will be blessed as you go through this book. And so some of us would say, I have been blessed. As we've been journeying through Revelation, it has been a blessing. I've heard a lot of people say, this has been great. I've needed this. This book will bless us as we go through it. So this is a reminder. This book comes with that promise attached. You will be blessed. So let's jump to where we're at here. Revelation chapter 10 is now where we find ourselves. And 10 and 11 are interesting chapters. It's another little pause in the the judgment and the wrath that we're reading about. Okay, so we've gone through the seven seals, which led to the, the seven trumpets. So we've, we've seen actually the six trumpets. The seventh trumpet is about to blow. But before that happens, chapter 10 and 11 have a little interlude. Some scholars call it the, uh, it's parenthetic literature here, a parenthetic pause, where there's like little parentheses in the action. 
and all the judgment and all the wrath. And so we, here we have some interesting things that, that John sees and experiences. I had planned on going through both chapter 10 and 11 today. Unfortunately, we don't have time to do that. So I totally had to change directions and, and, and change how we're going to land this plane and all that kind of stuff. And we're just going to go through chapter 10 only today. And here's what that means. In light of, you know, the announcement we just had, you know, Amy and I are going to go on sabbatical with our family this, this summer. We are not going to finish Apocalypse and, and we're not going to finish Revelation before I leave. I kind of came to that realization uh, this week. And so what that means is there's going to be a season three when we come back. OK, so season three, the grand finale. OK, so we'll go for a few more weeks on this into May and uh, then we'll put the pause button. Season two will be over. And then season three, we'll come back. We'll get the grand conclusion of all this. It's going to be awesome. But I just came to that real, I was hoping, I was trying, but there's just too much in this book. This is good stuff. And so we could fly over it in the next couple of weeks. But, and some of you might like that, but a lot of you would like, no, let's just, let's just keep like, slowly walking through this. So here we go. Chapter 10. We're in this little interlude in the action. I'm going to slowly walk through these verses here. We'll talk about them. Verse 1. Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven. When he was, ro- he was robed in a cloud with a rainbow above his head. His face was like the sun and his legs were like fiery pillars. He was holding a little scroll, which lay open in his hand. He planted his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. All right. So let's talk about these two verses here. This is another place where people love to debate who is the the mighty angel. And a lot of people believe this is Jesus. When you look at the description of this mighty angel, you see very similar things that are said about Jesus throughout Revelation. And so it's kind of interesting. Is it just an angel or is it Jesus? But then we keep reading, this angel starts sounding like, oh, it sounds kind of like Jesus. Like, this is, wow. Okay, so... Um, there's a lot of people that really believe this is Jesus. And part of why a lot of people believe that is because they, they believe that right in this moment when the seventh trumpet is about to blow, this is when the rapture takes place. It's not pre-tribulation, it's mid-tribulation. And we'll, we'll talk more about tribulation stuff, I think, next week and all that pre-trib, mid-trib and all that kind of stuff. And uh, we'll have fun with that. But uh, some people think that it's a mid-tribulation Uh, Maybe even a post-tribulation rapture. And so this is the moment that Jesus is coming now. And you see this description that sounds very similar to who Jesus is, how he's going to come and all that. Uh, I studied it. I looked at both sides of all this. Here's my belief. I believe it is an angel, not Jesus, but I believe it's an angel. It says another mighty angel. It doesn't say the mighty angel. It says another mighty angel. There's some decent scriptural support that's that. You, one could argue, yes, it is Jesus. I believe it's an angel. And so this angel comes and he plants his feet. Did you see that? Uh, his right foot is in the sea. His left foot is on the land, which signifies he is facing south. There's a lot of stuff that you could study and read about. Uh, the significance of, of him facing not just Israel, but Egypt and the, the role that Egypt has to play in the end times events and all that. So um, what you can see, though, is he has his feet in the sea and in the land, is what is about to take place in these coming verses is going to affect the whole world and all of creation. By the way, there's a little scroll. Did you see that? A little scroll in the angel's hand. 
This is again why some people say this is Jesus, because Jesus just got done opening all the scrolls. He broke the seals. Now the scroll is in his hand. It looks little because Jesus is so big. Uh, I think it might be a different scroll. That scroll that Jesus broke all the seals of, they had a purpose of pouring out the, the judgment and the wrath. This scroll seems to have a different purpose. It's going to be John's lunch, as we just read about. <laughs> He's going to eat it. So let's keep going on. Verse 3 here. Uh, and he gave a loud shout, like the roar of a lion. And when he shouted, the voices of the seven thunders spoke. That just sounds cool, doesn't it? Who are these seven thunders? We have no idea. That's the only mention of it all in Scripture. So just sounds cool. When the seven thunders spoke, I, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven say, seal up what the seven thunders have said, and do not write it down. That's interesting. It even caused Pastor Amy to pause there for a moment, right? God has not revealed everything that's going to take place. There are some things that John saw that he was starting. He said, okay, I'm going to write this down. And God said, no, don't write that one down. Hold off on that one. And it makes you kind of wonder why. That's fascinating. That's kind of interesting. But God's like, no, I'm not going to reveal everything. Sometimes I think like maybe that was a big piece, like a key piece to the puzzle, like that could help us understand this more, Jesus, because we're really trying to figure this thing out here. And some of this is difficult to understand, which you agree, right? Like, so why would he do that? But not everything has been revealed. I think it's why it's important that we don't get too rigid on our views about all these end time events. These events are going to take place and how they take place, we can have our opinions of. That's great. Uh, but let's not get too rigid. You know, God hasn't told us everything. He hasn't revealed everything. All right. So let's, I, I can keep going on in that. But these next few verses speak to this same topic. Let's keep reading here. Verse five. Then the angel I had seen standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven. And he swore by him who lives forever and ever. This, by the way, is why I think it's probably not Jesus, too, because I don't know if Jesus would swear by himself. That would be odd, I guess. He swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created the heavens and all that is in them, the earth and all that is in it, and the sea and all that is in it, and said, there will be no more delay. But in the days when the seventh angel is about to sound his trumpet, the mystery of God will be accomplished, just as he announced to his servants, the prophets. So when it comes to end times prophecy, there is a lot of mystery to it. We're just trying to kind of read all of this, study this, and study the prophecies from Daniel and Ezekiel and what Jesus said, especially that Matthew 24 discourse. And we're trying to piece all this together, right? Like trying to make sense of this. And there's so many things that connect. It's fascinating how much of Daniel and Ezekiel is in Revelation, We've kind of gone back and forth a little bit, not as much. Maybe we'll do more here as we move forward. But there's so much similarity between those things. So we're just trying to piece it all together. Together, I think this is why we need to really have this humble approach of, I don't really, really know, but here's kind of what I think. As I read Scripture and I study Scripture, and it's important we don't just take just one verse and say, oh, this is what it is. We've got to let Scripture interpret Scripture and Scripture interpret Scripture. So looking all over the place and trying to piece all this together. We're doing the best we can to understand. So again, it's good to have your opinions about how the end will happen. It's, I think it's good to study this. Again, it's, it helps prepare us uh, for what's about to happen. So um, we've got to take the humble approach and know that we may not be right. I may not be right. You may not be right. 
We both may not be right on some things, right? Like, we could be completely wrong. I mean, when this all unfolds, like, we might realize we got it all wrong. Who knows? But, you know, there seems to be some very clear things that we learn uh, in Revelation that is kind of fun for us to look at. Um, But I just think we should take this approach in, in a humble way. I think we should take that approach in all of our opinions in life, too, by the way. Like, you don't have the corner on the market of truth. And so if someone disagrees with you, it's okay to love them right where they're at. Let them have their opinion. They are not lesser than you because their opinion is different than you. They are a human being made in the image of God. Okay, so let, we want to respect people. Let people have their opinions. It may be completely opposite of yours. That is okay. I think it's still okay to love them right where they are at. There's, there's some things that we can, uh, we can have confidence in. There's some things that we can know for certain, though. Like we, we want to agree on the gospel, what the gospel, the message of the gospel. We want to make sure we major on the major, major stuff, not major on the minor stuff, I guess is what I want to say. So Jesus came, he lived a sinless life. He died on the cross, rose from the dead, proved to us that he's God. And then he said, I'll be back. And so those are things that we can stand on. Like we know that that is truth. We need to all agree upon that. That's very, very, very clear in scripture, thankfully. And so Jesus is coming back. And here's how we know. Here's how we can, can take confidence in that is because Jesus has already fulfilled hundreds of prophecies when he came the first time. Hundreds of prophecies he fulfilled just in that time. And then he says, I'll be back. I'm coming back. And so we can trust his words. We can trust all the prophetic words about him coming back and all these end times events. Friends, he is coming back. I'm as certain of that as I am. know that I'm standing before you right now. And you're listening to my voice. Okay, it is going to happen. Jesus will come back. So there are certain things that we are very, very sure of. And we don't have to wonder. But there is a day coming, guys, when all of this is going to make sense. And what's interesting is these verses spoke to it right here. Did you catch that? So the mysteries of God are going to be unveiled right here. All this will make sense. All the words of the prophets that we've been reading and studying, it will all come to pass. And this appears to be the moment. There will be no more delay. Here it comes. Again, this is why there are some people that believe this is when the rapture is going to happen. Because of uh, this, there's like this culmination as we approach the seventh trumpet that's about to blow. We'll probably hit the seventh trumpet next week. There's this big culmination here now that we see like something big is about to happen. There's no more delay. Here it goes. All right, so verse eight. Let's keep, keep cruising through here. Then the voice that I had heard from heaven spoke to me once more. Go take the scroll that lies open in the hand of the angel who was standing on the sea sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and asked him to give me the little scroll. And he said to me, take it and eat it. It will turn your stomach sour, but in your mouth it will be as sweet as honey. I took the little scroll from the angel's hand and ate it. It tasted sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach turned sour. This is, this is interesting there. So John does what he's told to do. Takes it, eats the scroll. It tastes good at first. Then it doesn't sit well, right? It's kind of like Taco Bell. It tastes good, but then after a while, like, why did I do that? Like, that did not sit well. Like, that's not good. But I think these three verses right here are a great summary of the entire book of Revelation. Right here, those three verses we just read. Some of it is pleasant and exciting. Like, oh, I like this. That is awesome. And then some of it, let's be real. 
is hard for us to swallow and hard for us to stomach. It's like, oh, this is tough. Like the, the judgment, the wrath, all of this, like people suffering, all this. It's like, I don't know if I like this part. This doesn't like sit well with me. Come on, where, God, you're, aren't you just a loving God? Like, why do you have to do this? And it kind of brings the age old philosophical questions of like, why does God allow evil and suffering and all that kind of stuff? Why does that take place? Why does it even exist? And then you see it here firsthand in Revelation. We struggle once again. But what we see in Revelation is both mercy and judgment. And that's who God is. God is, uh, he is a God who's going to keep his word. He is righteous. He is holy. He is pure. And, and so he is, I guess you could, you could liken it this way. There is no mercy without judgment. Mercy doesn't, isn't merciful if there isn't judgment. And so it's merciful in light of judgment. And so that's what God is going to allow both. God wants to be merciful on everybody. That is very clear in Scripture. He does not want to pour out wrath. He does not want to send people to hell. He wants people to experience his mercy, but we all have a choice, friends, on how we're going to respond. And we see it again here in Revelation where we're reading about mercy and judgment, and people have a choice. So this is just an interesting passage. John takes the scroll, which is essentially a book in those times. It's a book, right? And he eats it. And I think this is a great picture of how you and I should approach and handle God's word. It's important that you and I get this book into us. Like we would really, spiritually, metaphorically, we would digest this into our life. It's not just enough to just read this book and it's like, okay, I, I, I learned something. But I want this, I want to get this book into me. Uh, we want to study it, we want to memorize it, we want to meditate on it. Uh, all that can help us make sure that the, that the Word of God is inside of us. When His Word is inside of us, it's alive, and so his word will transform us. I think meditation is a powerful way for that to take place. I'm a firm believer in meditation. I think you should meditate on the word of God. And what that means is, is basically you just give focused thought, focus, concentration on maybe a few verses or one verse. Really think about it. Ponder it. Wrestle with it. Uh, marinate in it. Maybe that's a, a good way of... Uh, of Illustrate that, you know, maybe you like that. Let's sit in it. Let's soak in this. Let's marinate in, the, in, this, in this scripture and let it get in me. That's how God's word will transform me. As I'm marinating and meditating on it, I'm thinking about it again and again and again and again. I'm wrestling with things. I'm like, why is that word there and not this word? You know, you're thinking about everything. That's meditation. And then you just sit there and you just think on it and let God speak to you through that. It's like, how the sheep chew their cud. Probably heard that illustration before. You know, sheep chew on their cud and they chew, 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 and they swallow. And then they do this really cool thing called regurgitate that back up. Okay, and then they chew it again, chew it again, and they swallow and they regurgitate back up. And it's like, they do that several times. Like, do that with the word of God. Chew on it, swallow it. Regurgitate it back up, okay? Chew on it some more, swallow it, okay? This is you and I really, like really digesting the word of God and getting it into us. Friends, we need the power of God's word transforming us from the inside out. Psalm 1 says something uh, very important. It talks about a blessing that we have. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, which is Old Testament verbiage for God's word, God's book. His delight is in the law of the Lord. On his law, he meditates 
day and night. That means all the time, right? Find some scripture today and meditate on it all day and all night. Get up again tomorrow, meditate on it all day and all night. Some of us, can I just be honest? We are meditating. All of us are always meditating on something. Too often we're meditating on things that aren't true. We're meditating on things that are bothering us, that are hindering us, that are destroying us, that hurt us. We keep replaying those things. Meditate on truth. That's why we need the word of God. All right. So he is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. So, hey, you want to be blessed by God? You want to prosper in life? Meditate on his word. Get it in you. And, and meditation, or sorry, prosperity, this isn't like a, you're going to be wealthy and all that's not, that's not biblical prosperity. Biblical prosperity means you're going to live the way God intends for you to live. You're, you're going to live the life he has for you. He's called for you. He has an abundant life for you. He's got gifts that he has given you that he wants to, you to walk in, you to function in. And you just experience life as you use those gifts and as you live the life that God has for you. And we got to get God's word in us to help push away the falsehood, all the lies that we've yoked ourselves to, to get truth into us. And the truth will, Jesus said, set us free. And so some of you, you need to let that truth soak in you, marinate in that truth, meditate on that truth so it can set you free. So if you're struggling with a particular issue, come on, find some verses, find some scriptures that speak to that issue and just let it get inside of you. Let that truth change and transform your life. Can I just say that God's goal for your life is not to make you feel good all the time? And sometimes it's what we struggle with, right? Like, I don't know, God, that doesn't feel good. Aren't you like, you just, you exist, God, to make me feel good. Isn't that why you exist, God? Some of us might never say that. But we might think it. And we don't sometimes like to hear the truth and receive the truth because like God's like a loving God and he just wants to pour out grace on my life. Yes, but part of his grace that he gives to you sometimes is speaking truth that needs to directly uh, address issues in your life that are weighing you down, that are holding you back, that are destroying you, they're bringing death and Jesus wants life in you, and he wants to set you free. And, and so sometimes we need to receive these things from God. And so that's what I love about God's word, is God's word will speak to us. And sometimes what he speaks to us is like, ooh, that hurts. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, you're right, God, I need to deal with that. And if I have a humble attitude and humble approach to that, I'm going to receive whatever God speaks to me, and I'm going to let him do his work, because his goal is not to always make you feel good, but it is to transform your life. That's his goal. His goal is to transform you so that you look like him, you live like him. He wants to see you grow into maturity, and you cannot grow into maturity unless you deal with some issues. Now, those issues are immaturity. All right? So Hebrews 4 says this, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. That is the word of God, friends. Second Timothy says this, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. 
It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. I love how the New Living says that there. That is the the importance and the role of the Word of God in our life. God will speak to you through His Word and will show you right from wrong. So there's a lot of us, a lot of people that want to skip over the, the parts that they don't like. That's too challenging. That's too hard. And they will even approach Revelation the same way. I don't know. I don't know. Let me just skip to this, you know, and skip over this, you know. It doesn't sit well with me. I don't like reading about wrath and judgment and death and all that kind of stuff. And so some people that us ignore, oh, they won't even believe it. Like, I just believe in a loving, gracious God. I like the God of the New Testament, not the God of the Old Testament. Maybe you've heard that before. Like, the God of the Old Testament, like, why did, why did God change? But my argument would be, have you read Revelation, which is in the New Testament? Very similar things that we see. Yes, God is holy and he is loving and he is gracious and compassionate, but he is just. And people will experience judgment. But he wants to give people an opportunity to turn to him, to his loving grace. So that's why it's important that we look at all of scripture, guys, and we let God speak to us through everything. It's all there for a reason. Even the weird, crazy stuff. The stuff in Revelation. Come on, we're about ready to get to beasts coming out of the sea and all all this crazy stuff. Next week, we'll get to these two witnesses that are going to like breathe fire and kill people. And you're just like, wow, this is like stuff out of Marvel and adventure fantasy books. Kind of like what on, they all got that from the Bible, right? So let's, let's go ahead and end here. Look at the last verse. So that's what we don't have time to go into chapter 11 today. So we'll just end here. Chapter 10, verse 11. Then I was told you must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, languages, and kings. So that's how chapter 10 ends right there. But I think that Jesus is saying this to John for a very specific reason. Because again, remember what just happened in this moment, which kind of side note is fascinating. John is not just having a revelation here. This isn't just a vision he's writing down. Like, he is full-on experiencing this. You notice this? Like, this is a full immersion into the presence of God. He's eating things. Next week, he's going to get a tape measure. He's going to start measuring things in chapter 11. Like, he's doing, like, this is fascinating here. And so now he just ate the scroll, tasted good, didn't sit well. And so he's probably struggling. I okay, like, okay, now what do I do with this? Because this appears to be a message that God wants John to proclaim. So it's like, this isn't the end of the revelation. There's more. And it's not sitting well with John. And so Jesus here in verse 11, we see it's like, hey, I want you to tell everybody what what I'm going to have you tell them. Everything. You are to prophesy to everybody, to the believers and to kings and to the whole nations. What I continue to give to you, you need to speak it. It may not all sit well with you, but I want you to make sure that you prophesy, that you proclaim this to the world. So it's an encouragement. Hey, John, you got to speak it. You got to share it. You can't hold back in this. And so I think it's important to take passages like this and chapters like this and apply it to ourselves. Like, what does all this mean for you and me today? So we've talked about the power of God, the importance of getting the word in us, but then God has given you a message and he wants you to share and proclaim the message that he has given you. Don't hold back. 
Don't shy away. This is Jesus' encouragement here in verse 11 to John. Hey, I want you to proclaim this. I want to make sure you, you, you don't ignore what I'm giving you. So all of us are called to share and proclaim God's message. In the, in the next chapter, we're going to look at the two witnesses. But what's interesting about that is Jesus called you and I witnesses. We're all his witnesses. He's already given us a message that people need to hear about. And so as I was thinking about that this week, I was really wrestling with, like, why we do this whole church thing? Like, why do we do this? Why do we gather on a Sunday morning? What's the point of doing this right here? Is it to learn about things like Revelation, this forgotten book in the back of the Bible, and then go on our merry way? Shouldn't the fact that we gather on a Sunday impact how we live on a Monday and a Tuesday and a Wednesday? Or, or is, this, is this just a hobby for us? Is this a hobby and just kind of a, a, a positive habit in my life to help me feel good and do something good this week? And then I forget that God has placed me on this earth with a mission and a message tomorrow, and I just kind of forget about all that? Like, what are we doing here? What's, what's this all about? So this is this is my illustration. I, like, I think Sunday gatherings are like the locker room for sports teams. So the Suns, they play game four today. They're going to go up 3-1 tonight when they win. But they're going, to have, they're going to have some locker room moments today. Before the game, as they're talking strategy, they're reminding each other, like, this is what we're doing. Here's the game plan. They're encouraging each other. They're inspiring each other. Like, the locker room is very important, right? encouragement, inspiration, strategy. Then they're going to go out and they're going to play. They're going to come back at halftime. They're going to have the locker room moment again. Okay, guys, we got to kind of adjust this. We're going to think about this. Uh, you know, let, let's, let's do this. And then they're encouraging each other, inspiring each other, you know. And so the locker room is very important, right? But think about if, that, if the sons went to the locker room, they strategized, they did all this, here's the plan, and then they just went home. The locker room is not the point. The point is the game. And so this is so important, guys. But if we don't go out and live this thing out, we're missing the whole thing. We need the locker room. We need moments like this to get encouraged, to get inspired, to to receive instruction, to receive uh, plans for this is what we're going to do. This is how God has called you to to live your life. We need those moments, but then we got to go live it out. It's time to get in the game. And I want you to be a believer who doesn't just have the locker room moments, but doesn't play in the game. I want you to be in the game. I want to see you live this thing out because it matters, friends. It matters. And if we don't live our life for Jesus and proclaim this message that he's given us throughout our days, then we're missing the whole point of this, guys. You are a witness of Jesus. That is who you are. He has a message he has given you already. Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and everywhere, right? To the ends of the earth. So the good news is the Holy Spirit empowers you to do this. You, you, You can't do this in your own strength. You don't need to do it. Don't even try to do it in your own strength. Some of us, we're scared. We don't know what to say. Don't know, like we struggle sometimes to live for Jesus, to be a light for Jesus. What we need to do is rely on the power of the Holy Spirit who is alive and at work in us. He will help you with this. You're not alone. That's, that's good news. And so we are relying on the Holy Spirit to be a witness, not for ourselves, 
And that's important. Somebody, some people, the only witness they are to everybody else is themselves. The message that loudly comes out of their life is all about them. And that's scary. I pray that the message that comes out of your life is Jesus. You are not your witness. That's not your calling in life, to be your witness. What did Jesus say? To be my witnesses. Is that what the scripture said? We are his witnesses. That is how we are called to live our lives, as a witness, not for me and how great I am, but for Jesus and how great he is. So I just want to encourage us to live this thing out, guys. This is why I really want to see everybody in a spring group. Because I think that helps us take that step to really get connected to deeper community and really live this out more fully. Have some good conversations, be strengthened, be encouraged. And you, you heard Pastor Rachel uh, mention in a video, like, we're really going on a journey here of getting people involved. And so as I was preparing this message, this, this began to stir in me and just kind of coincidentally came upon the, the, the announcement of the sabbatical, but the sabbatical is, is kind of lesser news for our church, to be honest. Let's not make a big deal about that. We'll be gone for a few weeks. We're going to take a break. Uh, we need some rest, if I can be honest. It'd be good for us to rest, but here's what we're doing. This has caused a bigger conversation for us as a board and as a leadership team. We just really want to empower you to be who God has called you to be. And I just want to see everybody take their part in being the church. You are the church. Did you know that? If you ever find yourself saying like, you know, church was boring today. Just remember, you are the church. So you're boring. That's what you're saying. Okay. Because you is the church. So we are all the church, right? The church is people. It's not a building. I didn't go to church today. I gathered at a building with all the church people, all of God's people. Cause so, so you, we are the church and here's what's stirring within us guys. We'll talk more about this in detail in the weeks to come, but my job is to equip you. That's my job. I want to equip you. All of us, we're working together to equip you as a saint. You are a saint. I want to, I want you to see yourself as a saint. That's who you are in Christ. I want to equip you to do the work of the ministry that God has gifted you to do, that God has called you to do. And the more we do this, the stronger, the healthier, the better our church community will be because we are being the church together. And so that's the encouragement. That's what we see in scripture. We just want to be a biblically based, biblically focused, biblically driven uh, church. We want our church model to reflect scripture more than it reflects the American culture. That's really our goal, if I can be honest, okay? So let's keep going to Scripture. And Scripture, in America, we like to go and listen to guys preach, and we learn something, we get pumped up, and we kind of go live our lives. But we're called to be disciples of Jesus and followers of him every day. So that's, we're going to keep going this journey, guys. We'll keep talking about it. But I just want to equip you to be who God has called you to be. So why don't we stand to our feet here? Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence 
of God. Thanks for joining us.